0: If you haven't already rated and reviewed the Singletracks podcast in your podcast app, now's the time to do it. We're randomly selecting listener reviews to read on the show, and if we choose yours, you'll get a free single tracks hat in the mail. Hit pause right now, write a quick review, and then listen to future episodes to find out if you won yourself a hat. Happy Trails. Hey everybody, welcome to the Singletracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today my guest is Matt Stanky. So Matt is a trail builder and board member of the Clinch Valley Trail Alliance in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, just outside Knoxville. He and his club recently opened a new skills park called the Dirt Lab through a grassroots effort involving local businesses and community members. Thanks for joining us, Matt.
1: Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: So tell us a little bit about the Clinch Valley Trail Alliance. How was the group formed and what's sort of your mission?
1: So uh, our group was formed kind of out of uh, necessity and serendipity. Uh, right next door in Knoxville, we have uh, the AMBC, which is a, a very, very active, very, very successful organization. Mm-hmm. But they've got a real strong focus on the downtown downhill and um urban wilderness projects in Knoxville and the surrounding area and Oak Ridge has growing opportunities, um, with the department of energy handing uh, land back to the city and trying to manage it and build trails. And we really needed a focused group of people to work on this, these opportunities uh, so that you're not distracted by one or the other and they get full attention from a group of people.
0: Yeah.
1: So uh, a few of us came together from uh, the local area and, uh, started this thing. So far it's been pretty successful.
0: Yeah. Well, do a lot of people in Oak Ridge tend to ride in Knoxville? And and was this sort of an opportunity though to build trails like closer to home for people?
1: For several of us, uh, it's an excellent opportunity to expand what we've already have here because Oak Ridge has over 80 miles of trails in town already. Wow. They're not Very well advertised. And some of them are a little, um, we'll say more old school, Mm -hmm. less, uh, less flow trail, more rocks and roots.
0: Yeah.
1: Our biggest parks, uh, slogan is typically only used on Facebook and it's keep haw (laughs) raw. And anytime somebody knocks out a root or a rock, somebody gets on there chanting the slogan.
0: Yeah. So the Dirt Lab is sort of a skills area um, with a lot of progressive features and, and things like a pump track. So why was this type of trail or this skills park needed in Oak Ridge? I mean, it sounds like you had a lot of trails already, but maybe this was something new.
1: This is definitely something new and we were looking to try and fill a hole we're both geographically and skill wise in between two amazing riding areas. Mm-hmm. So just outside of town, about six miles, we've got the Windrock bike park with, um, you know, world cup level, uh, downhill technical Gnar and steepness. Yeah. And then 10 miles away, we've got the Knoxville urban wilderness and, uh, really new, really well-built, uh, progressive trails. And, um, you know, relatively wide, relatively, um, IMBA standard. Mm-hmm. And then there's Oak Ridge right in the middle where we've got some relatively technical trails. We've got older school, single track, lots of hand built Yeah, and folks who rode Windrock generally didn't ride in Knoxville except to go do the jump lines. <laughs> and the folks in, in Knoxville generally didn't make it up to Windrock or Oak Ridge because, you know, that, 15 minutes in a car, it's hard to justify if you didn't quite understand the trails.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So have, having a place where you could practice some techie riding but not have to do it on a 20% grade while smoking your brakes, <laughs> hanging on for dear life, and not at, you know, 30 or 40 miles an hour as you're railing a flow trail was, uh, was a pretty good opportunity.
0: Yeah. It's a safer environment. And also, yeah, I think a lot of people don't necessarily appreciate that, like, I mean, you can learn mountain biking by riding a lot of trails, but it's going to take you a long time. Like you said, you're going to have to ride miles and miles of trails to hit, you know, a certain number of features before you're comfortable with it. Whereas in a skills park, you can, you know, you could hit a technical feature a hundred times, you know, in an afternoon and, and really learn quickly that way.
1: And and in that vein, keeping with our slogan, um, you know, people say, skills park and they think pump track and some jumps. Um, And we certainly have those things, but we also harvested boatload, we'll say, of rocks uh, from the surrounding area and other places. And we've built some real technical flat uphill, downhill rock gardens, rock drops, you know, things that you might encounter on a a little wilder out there trail, but, you know, right next to the parking lot. So you can try it up, down, sideways.
0: Cool. Well, who's sort of the target user that this park was built for? Is it is it for kids? Is it for people who are new to mountain biking? Is it both?
1: Well, new riders were definitely a target. Uh, kids are always a target because Oak Ridge in particular is a little bit older town since we come out of... Uh, basically, the city was founded as a uh, government town to do uranium enrichment during World War II and afterwards. Hmm. So, you know, you've got sort of an aging generation and new folks coming in trying to figure out what the community is. Our goal was to build approachable features that had relatively low consequence because you're going a little slower. But, you know, you're still
0: mm-hmm.
1: greatly challenged and you've got some margin to, you know, fall off without, you know, falling off a cliff.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So
1: beginner to intermediate. Advanced riders have fun, but it's really built for that middle road.
0: Right. Right. So how did the club identify the city-owned property where the Dirt Lab was ultimately built? Can you walk us through sort of the approval process and all the things that had to happen before construction could begin?
1: Sure. And I would suspect that our approval process was significantly easier than uh, somebody just starting out a club. Mm-hmm. We had been working with the city various members of the club on and off for on the order of 15 years, Mm. Um, some older organizations and and through the AMBC in Knoxville. So when we founded this club, we were a known entity to the city. Mm -hmm. The city parks and rec director rides mountain bikes and has a kid that wants to get into mountain biking.
0: Mm, That's convenient.
1: So a lot of things happen because the pieces stack up uh, with good um, timing yeah so it was easier than uh, you might think. Mm-hmm. but um, nothing is truly as easy as you think it might be.
0: Yeah, it's an overnight success fifteen years in the making. Exactly, you know
1: <laughs> well, easy, peasy little project, but um we're actually adjacent to an existing riding area. It's got about thirty miles of uh, single track, mm-hmm. and we did some scouting um, both with the city and independently, identified a couple of places. And this was kind of a standout uh, opportunity because it was some land that had previously attempted been developed into a, a soccer field and was currently basically just lying unused, but already bulldozed. So no sensitive species or plants or artifacts. And uh, we're right next to a big set of overhead power lines, so um, no chance of development either. So unused likely going to be there, not exceptionally pretty. So if you start playing in the dirt, nobody's going to get too excited. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So the city approval process was pretty straightforward. Um, the city worked with us on all the permits we needed for some of the bigger kiosks and shelters and, uh, water runoff management, that sort of thing.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like an ideal situation, but were there any challenges that you and the club faced along the way? Were there Um, I know a lot of times there are like liability questions that come up, especially with something like a skills park and, and also, you know, there are always people who are opposed to this sort of thing. You know, maybe people who are like, we want a soccer field, not a, not a bike trail. So what, talk about some of the challenges that you guys faced.
1: So, uh, I'll hit it in two ways. Let's talk about external ones first. Um. The Clinch Valley Trail Alliance (CVTA) um, we set ourselves up to be a little different than most uh, Imba or Sorbo clubs. Um, we, in our mission statement, uh, apart from growing our community and, and the next generation, but we're we're a hiking, biking, trail running, dog walking. We we don't care who you are as long as you want to go play in the woods on trails. Yeah. So we already have a little more inclusive focus when we're building and when we're doing community outreach and fundraising. Mm-hmm. So that helped cut down on that. And through, um, poor planning, but good luck. We, we also tried to launch another trail project at the same time in, a effectively a mini wilderness area, a green space for no mechanized travel in town. And, um, uh, we got a little ahead of ourselves on that project and got a huge, uh, community, uh, especially neighbor, um, backlash mm-hmm. that basically their message was, you already have Haw Ridge. Why don't you build more trails at Haw high ha Ridge uh-huh. uh, where we were getting ready to build a skills park. And we effectively said, yeah, that's a great idea. We'll do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With your support. That's, that's what we'll do.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so I wouldn't, uh, Recommend that particular course of action as a uh, as a uh, surefire way, but mm-hmm. the the important thing, both building the park and and planning the park, is have a plan, but be flexible enough that as stuff comes up, you can mm-hmm. adapt and take advantage of any opportunities you have. So,
0: yeah, and always be willing to negotiate. It seems like I mean I think I think clubs everywhere they always have a number of projects in mind or on their long term wish list, and you know if you can trade one off to get another, you know, seems like that that's a lot of times a good way to go.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, you can never have too much money or too many volunteers because every time you build an amazing trail, somebody else is like, I've got just the spot to build another trail. So yeah, um, you gotta be a little picky, but as far as liability between, uh, IMBA, the city and, um, Tennessee's uh, wonderfully generous laws on uh, liability, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it was relatively straightforward. Building on the city park, because we have a a memorandum of understanding with the city, we're covered by the city's insurance for uh, any liability. And then if that were exceeded for some reason, we're uh, also covered by the the IMBA insurance that the club carries. Mm, Okay. But in addition to that, Tennessee's liability laws are, as long as I don't intentionally go out and build like a a pointy stick tiger trap, Mm -hmm. intentionally make it dangerous, there's very little actual liability. Um, There's a lot of um, self-responsibility in the woods for Tennessee. I mean, we've got the Smokies and everything, so we're trying to make nature accessible without being too expensive. Mm -hmm. So our biggest issue with liability was the builders themselves themselves. We have um, a couple of different core teams that build trails around the area because it's a good way to divide and conquer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, a couple of those builders were uncomfortable, even with the liability coverage that we had,
0: mm-hmm.
1: building features that you know you're effectively supposed to fall off of right <laughs> And uh, you know you start small and you keep going bigger. So it's unfortunately inevitable that someone will crash or get hurt
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the features we build. So we have to build with an eye to that, but also, you know, make sure we sign appropriately and, um, accept that, you know, life's dangerous. Yeah. But you know, a few of the builders weren't comfortable with that, but like you said, pick and choose on your projects. Um, you get a good core team at one project and you work other trails. I mean, you know, with 80 miles of trails just in town, Mm -hmm. we've always got trees falling down or things needing mowed or benches being recut. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, having a crew that was going out, doing maintenance, doing trail expansion while another crew was building the park really allowed us to keep the the momentum going with the, the positive trail building and everything in town.
0: Yeah. That's a new one for me to, to hear that certain trail builders are worried that they could be personally liable, you know, if they build say a, you know, a ramp or a bridge or something, and then someone falls off it. And I mean, who knows? This is, this is America. I mean, anybody could sue anybody for any reason, it seems. I mean, is that, but is that a a well-founded fear or is that, is that something where somebody maybe just isn't really like familiar with how, how those laws work?
1: In general, I I believe it's somebody who's just not comfortable with the, the situation and
0: yeah, better safe than sorry.
1: Yeah, they're at a point in their life where they're old enough that they don't want to have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And it's we were building trails that were somewhat beyond their comfort level to ride on. So uh,
0: that makes sense.
1: As you're trying to build a trail that's still relatively safe, but you can't figure out how to build it yourself. I, I mean, I, I understand. I mean, you know, engineers don't like to dive into the unknown and, and hope it'll all be okay.
0: Right. Yeah, it's sort of like building a deck and then being like, well, I'm not standing on it. And it's like, (laughs) you know, I mean, you build a ramp and you're like, I can't ride it. So I can't personally say that, you know, I'm comfortable doing it. So, yeah, why would I tell other people they should do it?
1: And and that is an amazingly challenging thing about building skills park features is as you build more and more features and forget to ride your bike enough to get better all the time. You'll see people hitting things that on the features. You're like, huh, I hadn't thought about it that way. And they're like, well, can you build it bigger? And you're like, well, I can build it bigger. I, just, I can't test it for you.
0: Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's any good. Yeah, huh, interesting. Well, you also mentioned the memorandum of understanding that you have with the city. How are those things structured? I mean, is it set up in a way such that um, you're free to sort of build and reconfigure uh, the various obstacles and trails there or – um, is it more rigid where you need to get approvals like every step along the way and sort of they check in annually? Like how, how did you put together that memorandum of understanding?
1: So we actually did it at the club level. And if you can do it at the club level rather than the project level, that makes a, a big difference. So our our agreement says that for maintenance activities to maintain sustain remediate damage and improve as necessary we basically just have to notify the city if we need to bring in equipment but handwork is always approved and when they say equipment and we're we're approved it's written a little oddly our clubs authorized to run grading excavating and digging equipment in, in any city park oh wow since the the trail systems a city park that also means technically like the big fancy, like community gathering park downtown. Technically we're covered there, but you know, <laughs> that would be a little foolish. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's wonderfully loose that way and wonderfully flexible. And part of that's from regular communication and, and regular responsible activities with the city. And the other half of it is building new trails. We've got to propose the idea um, get buy off from the parks and rec director, flag the trail, walk it with the parks and rec director. And then based on his input, we'll make edits as necessary. And then basically we start building. So it's, it's a pretty streamlined process. And then when we were building the dirt lab, generally he would come out once a quarter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or if I built something that wasn't as risk-free as some of the other features i'd call call them up and be like hey i'd like to walk something down with you before we opened it to the public like our first drops were built out of wood built super robust and had um steep but rollable down ramps on them so it was impossible to like roll up to it and tuck your wheel under and spike your head into the ground because we've all done that at least once <laughs> but you know when we started you know, shaving down cedar logs and having them stick four feet out into the air over a rock ledge that you ended up dropping onto a rock ledge to hit a, the world's smallest road gap across like six feet of trail.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, the the consequences of that are a little different because you have to do it. and You can't even step off effectively. Yeah. But he came out and he looked at it and based on everything else we had done to that point, he bought off on it and said, just make sure you've got a sign.
0: <laughs> Didn't even want to see somebody clear it and be like, okay. That looks all right.
1: Oh, I, I pre-staged one of my buddies to hit it as we were coming up.
0: Yeah, nice.
1: <laughs> but, you know, we, we didn't build the, the the rock drop into infinity, the first feature. We built safe things to explain what we were doing and show the progression and then, you know, ease into insanity.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, talk a little bit about the funding for this project. Was the club able to secure grants or was this funded through individual donations? how do you get the money for it?
1: With a new club, fundraising is by far the hardest part. If you get a bigger club, um, you can get people dedicated to that people understand and have seen your projects and, and you grow pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. With us being a new club, we we didn't really have any projects to point to other than, hey, we used to be these guys and we did that back in the day, <laughs> um, which helped. So we funded most of this locally. A lot of it was volunteer donations, and we did have some connections with uh, a couple of the major government contractors here in town. Any city that's got a large business that has a very public presence probably has a relatively decent uh, charitable uh, giving budget. Yeah. So we ended up uh, meeting up with one of the demolition and decommissioning contractors cleaning up the sites across the community, trying to... Make the town a uh, a better, safer place. So there's no legacy waste,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so their mission of protecting the environment and uh, restoring it to the public meshed really nicely with let's build trails to allow people to use this land. Right. So they helped us substantially. Um, UCore um, was was an amazing help. Um, they helped us equip our first tool trailer, which we obviously used heavily at the dirt lab, and uh, and they gave us a challenge. That uh, was quite the challenge. They offered to fund uh, to the tune of uh, twenty thousand dollars the pump track if we were willing to build it. Build it by Thanksgiving last year. Okay. Um, and we thought, oh, twenty thousand dollars. That seems like a, a pretty good sum. <laughs> we thought, you know, we'd have to self-build it, but you know, it wouldn't be insane. So we called up a couple of trail builders, um, including a couple of the more famous ones. And either got uh, absolutely no callbacks whatsoever or actively laughed at over the (laughs) telephone, including by our trail builder friends doing it professionally. Oh, wow. (laughs) Basically, uh, if you don't have $100,000, you can't get the small guys to call you back. If you don't have a quarter million dollars or a million dollars, you can't get the big guys to call you back.
0: Ooh, wow. I'm sure a lot of people are surprised to hear that too, but I can tell you, you know, about trails uh, projects here locally that that's not far off i mean a tiny pump track is going to be close to a hundred thousand dollars if you're using professionals that build it
1: yep because they got to pay for those machines they got to pay for the maintenance they got to pay for a lot of labor and dirt and asphalt are remarkably not inexpensive yeah huh. uh, w- when you're buying a lot of it so uh so we went back to the drying board and we're trying to figure out who we've got in the club that can do this right and, uh, whether we can do it ourselves. And we really, really wanted to pave it because having trails that are easy to get to with jumps and features on them means more people on them riding that feature more times. So wear and tear is is definitely something you have to plan for. Every jump you build, build it 50% bigger than you think. Otherwise you'll be working on it the next day. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So, uh, we called up uh, Sean Leader of uh, Windrock Bike Park, local guy grew up in the area, and uh, talked to him about you know who we should talk to and what our options are. And uh, Sean said, "You know, I learned to ride a mountain bike at Hot Ridge um, to give you an idea how long Hot Ridge has been around."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he said, "I would like to build that park if you can fund the materials. I'll do the pump track." Wow. So he showed up a couple of weeks later with two pieces of equipment that were normally parked at the bike park, uh, maintaining trails, and uh, personally built the entire pump track, uh, dirt base, crushed limestone top, and then uh, and then called us up and said, "Go ride it. Let's make sure it works." Did that for a couple of weeks, let it settle nice, and then uh, and then called in his favor to get us to all come do asphalt. <laughs> Cool. And uh, you have not worked a hard job until you have moved asphalt with a wheelbarrow (laughs) or stood on the top of a berm with a rope pulling the the plate compactor up and down the berm for eight hours. Wow. I've got a whole new respect for those guys. But uh, in about six weeks, that pump track got built. And every day, there are dozens, if not hundreds of people, depending on the weather, out there. And I've been absolutely shocked by... Number of kids on the the kick bikes and folks on RC cars, skateboarders. Wow. I've seen a burly trailer on a bicycle do a couple of laps. Yeah, why um, not? Exactly. <laughs> so it's been pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, is that one of the more popular uh, sections or features at the bike park?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, you're on a 16 inch wheeled bike, and and anything off road is just miserable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we all ride you know big tires now, but Boy, you know, you remember how bad 26ers were.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So imagine a much, much smaller wheel. Is the the asphalt holding up too? It's holding
1: up really well. We had uh, one little hole open up over the winter. It hasn't seemed to get any bigger, but uh, I have verified that you cannot patch it with uh, asphalt uh, patch from Home Depot. Huh. Really? So we're going to have to order a little more asphalt and, uh, and actually do it, do it the right way.
0: Huh. Interesting.
1: We, we spent working with Sean a couple of weeks just figuring out which blend from the uh, local uh, rock company would have the right amount of flex for the asphalt so it wouldn't crack and peel.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because I guess most asphalt is meant to, to pave a relatively flat surface, whereas the pump track it's going all different directions.
1: Yep. So you're you're pressing it and smearing it at a bunch, and it also has to have enough viscosity that you can actually run it, you know, nearly vertical up a berm.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, how did you decide um, whether to use volunteers or professional trail builders for various parts of the project, or was it just based on necessity? Like you had to use volunteers because you really didn't have the budget to hire professionals.
1: Well, I mean, we we really don't have the budget to hire professionals. And, uh, I have a very high stress job and I just really wanted to build some trail. (laughs) And, uh, and I found that, you know, a lot of people do the big volunteer trail days where you get, you know, 20 to 40 people out and you you build a very specific section and project. Mm -hmm. And that's a great way to knock out specific targeted goals. But, um, building this thing over a year and a half, if you can, pick a day of the week where generally you can get out there in the evening after work mm-hmm. prior to daylight savings time and and just post it and you get four or five people sometimes 12 if the weather's really nice and you just make a little bit of progress every week the enthusiasm you get from people who are coming out there to ride or who are helping build it and feel that ownership it's just amazing and they'll they'll come up to you either while they're riding something else or guys on your or gals on your build crew and are like hey I'd like to build this at the park is there a place I can do this or would that be okay and my response was generally yes because we had a uh, prodigious amount of of land unlike some you know city-based bike parks so we had zones we would marked out with the city of we're going to generally do drops and rocks over here and generally we're going to have some jumps here and a pump track here so somebody said, hey, I want to build a rock garden, we'd go find some natural features to improve with more rocks. If somebody said, let's build jumps, it was like, well, here's a jump line. Let's expand it. So so that started. And then all of a sudden, folks would be walking up and saying, I'd like to help. I have an excavator. Do you care if I bring it? (laughs) Cool. Great one to say yes to. You can move a lot more and a lot bigger rocks in a lot more interesting ways with something that can pick up 6,000 pounds.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, one of the things I find really interesting about this project is that, you know, I mean, it's called the Dirt Lab, which on the surface, that's about, you know, learning to ride new features and progress in your skills. But it sounds like a lot of it, too, is, you know, building a park like this gives you the opportunity to to train trail builders, to train people in building features and then, you know, kind of experimenting and seeing like, okay. You know, how tall do we need to build this before it's too tough for people? Or, you know, is it more fun if we shape the the jump this way? Can you talk a little bit about that, about how you've been able to use this as sort of a place where people can learn how to build trails and build features?
1: You hit it on the the, the nail on the head on that one. The important thing to remember when building a, a trail is it's just dirt. Mm-hmm. Try it. If it doesn't work, try again. <laughs> Just try not to drop your rock and break it in half. Right. <laughs> Oops. So we we had a couple of features. I think we built four or five times before it really was the way we wanted it to ride, where you know, you could actually consistently clear the gap over the other rock garden. And yeah. And that that first experimental run was always a little exciting. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, the the point is to experiment both with how to build a park, because you know, we're, we're trail builders. We'd never built a park before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had always tried to build interesting technical trails and use the features that were there, but having the ability to get more equipment closer and more people closer and not have to walk four miles or ride six to go build a feature, gave you a lot more flexibility to try things and say, Mm -hmm. okay, that didn't work. What if we did this instead? Yeah, I mean, we, we ended up building um, one of those flexible like playground suspension bridges Uh on a a rock skinny line that we built out of telephone poles.
0: Wow, cool.
1: And the suspension bridge itself is a couple of hundred pounds. And getting that thing tied off to rocks in such a way that it was off the ground, no one threw out their back, (laughs) and also didn't allow the rocks to wiggle at the same time. Like our first version, I hopped on the bridge and I was bouncing up and down about a foot because the rock it was tied to, which was, you know, the size of a smart car, <laughs> uh, was actually wiggling back and forth about six inches. Wow. Um, so, you know, wildly safe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously that one took a couple of revs and uh, and eventually we got it uh, rock solid, uh, finally cleaned it last week.
0: Wow. Nice.
1: And it is amazingly hard to do uh, wheel lifts off a, uh, a flexing moving surface. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I bet.
1: So, yeah, a great place to play.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of the features obviously are built to help people improve their skills and to progress. But are you also seeing riders riding there just for fun? I mean, people who already know how to jump and can do these things. I mean, is this like a new outlet for them where they don't have to go, you know, travel to Knoxville or to Windrock or somewhere outside of town?
1: Oh, definitely. With the government work in town, we've got a lot of people who work at those plant sites, you know, several thousand employees who live and work or well, live in Knoxville, but work in Oak Ridge. So now more often they're stopping on the way home and the city loves that because if they're stopping on the way home, that also means that they're much more likely to stop for dinner on the way home, a couple of beers and, you know, put those tax dollars back into the city. Mm-hmm. Rock Bike Park loves it because now we've got people who, you know, they come for their big trip to, to pound things on the mountain. And, you know, a couple of days of that, you might need a little different pace. Or maybe you want to take a half day, check out the town, eat some lunch. And you'll come down to the bike park now and, and goof around and play with stuff and, and have a good time. And it's, it's one of the few places that you can actually take folks who are out on, you know, your department store bicycles and folks who are riding, you know, the $10,000 plus wonder bikes and you can ride together. Yeah. You won't do the same features always, but I mean, you, you can still socialize and have an event and be COVID safe, but not have to, you know, go insane. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah.
1: Cause, cause there are a lot of new riders this year.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of new riders, I imagine that the dirt lab attracts a number of kids and parents and, what kind of programs are there for young mountain bikers in the area? Is NICA an option? I mean, do you see like the Dirt Lab as, as sort of a, a gateway to these programs? Like as kids get older and they're introduced to the sport?
1: We have a strong NICA program and the way they plan for each of their races is typically the weekend before they go to a race is they come ride the trail system that's closest to what they're going to go race the following weekend. Okay so if they've got something that's a little technical or something that they know they're going to have some jumps on they'll be out at the dirt lab and then go ride haw ridge afterwards um so i mean i've been out there you know um breaking tractors uh in front of you know 30 some odd teenagers wondering what in the world that crazy man's doing um (laughs) so uh yeah they've definitely been using it nika's not very big in oak ridge but um They come up from Knoxville a bunch to use it. So
0: So after all of this, what advice would you give to others who want to build something similar in their own community?
1: Keep your plans flexible Mm -hmm. because they're going to change. Uh, Weather's going to get in the way. Volunteers are going to come and go. Issues are going to come up in your life or your, your uh, helper's lives.
0: Yeah, that's a big one.
1: I mean, and then, you know, you'll get grants or challenges and suddenly be like, oh well, I guess I'm building a pump track this month, <laughs> sort of right. things. I mean, gotta go figure that out. Being flexible is great if you can if you can get it funded through a massive grant and to have it professionally built. Hey, that's awesome. But I mean, the pride and ownership that I've got and seven or eight other people have is just amazing. Like those folks are out there. Like, I don't even have to schedule work days. I'll get a text that says, hey, you care if I go mow the uh, surrounding features? And the answer is always, no, go for it, man. Yeah. So, that lots of small work days, you know, staying positive uh, in the face of any adversity. Like, you know, when the conservation groups came out and attacked us, we tried really, really hard to not say anything mudslinging on Facebook or social media because nobody wins those fights.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: You win those fights, but by, by not engaging and, and finding compromises.
0: Yeah, it's a smart approach.
1: We did some work days with them, cleaning out streams and stuff to, to build friendship and connections in the community so they understood sort of what we were doing and who we were. It's a lot harder to throw mud at someone if you, you actually think they're a decent person.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I wanted to highlight too. You mentioned that at the beginning that, you know, your group is the Clinch Valley Trail Alliance. It's not a mountain bike specific group. It's basically for anybody who enjoys trails and is a user of trails. And I think, you know, lately a number of groups around the country are realizing the same thing and are sort of rebranding away from being like a mountain bike club, even if they are mostly mountain bikers. Um, but trying to be more inclusive, and it sounds like you've found a lot of success with that approach.
1: It's It's been really good. And, I mean, mountain bikers are always going to be needier on trails. I mean, runners don't need a lot of jumps. <laughs> uh, and it's right. a lot easier to step over, you know, a waist-high tree.
0: Yeah, that's true. We are needy. We need a lot of mileage, too, right? I mean, like, if you're going out for a walk, you just need a couple miles. But we need, like, 10 or 20.
1: Exactly. But one thing we seem to all have in common is uh, we'll all come out and hang out at the trails or help dig if the cooler's full of beer, free beer. Mm. <laughs> so so that would definitely be a, a word of advice. And don't forget to throw a little soda in there because some of your volunteers might not be of age. Right. <laughs> I actually had to be reminded of that one day.
0: <laughs> yes. So what other things have you learned that will be helpful for you on your next trail project? sounds like maybe um, – you can be a little more creative, perhaps, on some of the trail features that you're able to build into it. But w- what other types of things have you learned?
1: So managing water is so much easier on a hill than on flat ground.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: You always know where it's going to go when you're working on a hill. On basically flat ground, you have to really, really plan your uh, your water management strategy. Yeah. <laughs> the, it's not going to soak into the clay. Right. <laughs> Sometimes you can do a lot more with a small, dedicated group than uh, a couple of big work days. That's that's really been a nice thing to have, and uh, I've really just been shocked at how much desire and need there was in the community for a big outdoor space to play. Hmm. Like every everybody who's been at the Dirt Lab has been really complimentary. Um, They're either out there for the first time or they're, you know, over the summer, it was like, yeah, I bring my kids out here every day. And, you know, before COVID, when we were still had the park technically closed, so we had to close the gate every night because, you know, it wasn't officially open. Mm -hmm. I would regularly have to work till dark because there'd be seven or eight people who pulled in when I opened the gate to just (sighs) go play in the park. Wow. So so figuring out how to tap into that desire to go play in the woods, Mm -hmm. even if it's not really far in the woods is, is really, there's just so much you can do, um, with, you know, being nice, being inclusive and recognizing that, you know, everybody wants to go play
0: in the woods. Yeah. Cool. So what is the next big project for the CVTA?
1: We, uh, we want to expand this, uh, playing in the woods concept so we're trying to build a uh, a really nice climb line just outside the park so you can leave the park ride right up to the top of a about a 400 foot tall ridge and have some good options for uh rolling back into the park technical challenging trails but you know something that's a little easier to approach if you've only learned how to ride on flat ground in the park and smoother places uh, plus some optional a-lines cool um we've also got a headquarters that we just leased adjacent so we're trying to figure out how to uh turn that into uh not just a place to meet for clubs and store tools but actually uh, a park uh, or a club uh profit center to you know drive uh, people in the area um, drive donations and uh get more tourism in the area and get even more support from the city
0: yeah cool Well, Matt, uh, thanks so much for joining us and for talking us through the Dirt Lab. It sounds like a really cool program that hopefully others can learn from and maybe do in their own communities. So thank you.
1: Definitely. I hope uh, it helps somebody build a, a cool park. I want to come ride it someday.
0: Yeah, right on. Well, you can find more information about the club and about the dirt lab project at org, and we'll have that link in the show notes as well. So we've got this week, we'll talk to you again next week.